In the podcast, we've talked about survival horror games from the late 90s, the early 2000s, talking about your traditional games like Resident Evil 2, uh, Nemesis, Silent Hill 1, Silent Hill 2, on the PlayStation 2, and uh, we have episodes about all of those games talking about whether they are bad or good. But when you go to like the macro conversation, the question begs and the question becomes, what makes a good horror game? Because now with uh, Phasmophobia, Amnesia, all of these games, Five Nights at Freddy's, whether you like them or not, there's definitely a market and interest for each game. So at least for us, what makes a good horror game? We are about to talk about that right now with another exciting edition of A Cast of the Past with a brand new episode available each and every Sunday with yours truly, Juan Velas Court from Puerto Rico. Joining me now from London, Ontario, we have uh, Keith Hamilton. Now, Keith, in your case, when when you when you think about horror games like what is the main reason that you tend to lean towards this genre like what piques your interest i think there's kind of two lines of thinking what makes a good horror game and what i'm looking for it's almost like the resident evil versus silent hill conversation uh with horror where you either have the action style horror game where it's you against some gross grotesque monsters and it's more of like a scary roller coaster ride you have that side of it and then you have the other side which is more about frights and scares and things that are there to disturb you and make you feel uncomfortable and there's a sense of helplessness along those there's those are the two types of games that i enjoy and what i think makes a good horror game yeah, no, same thing. Uh, I think it's always interesting when you think about this because I grew up in a time and I've been open about the fact that I like horror games. They're definitely not my top five genre. Like, uh, I'll look at a game like the original Resident Evil 2 and I will understand why every single thing about it is amazing, even the tank controls, because we've gone back and said that in many ways, the limitation of how the character actually moves adds to that right imagine that you could just like uh parkour your way out of every scenario with a zombie then you wouldn't really be afraid i think it's It'd also why easy. yeah it, it not only easy it's like i think uh that's when a lot of stories it's leon's first day on the job right he's not this a uh, 20-year veteran because even then it would have a different context it's like well i mean why is he struggling so hard so when you think about all of this and bringing it to 2020 now Having played, you know, a variety of different games, like what's like the main thing you're looking to get out of horror games now, as opposed to maybe throughout your your life as a gamer? I think these days it's more about the experience because you can you don't have to play horror games anymore to really enjoy them through things like Twitch and uh, live streaming services. There's almost like a sub element to them of getting to experience people experience that game and that's what makes it fun because there are a lot of games where like they just freak me the hell out and I get uncomfortable and I'm not a, like I don't want to continue because I'm just like oh I, I don't want to go down that hallway and I don't want to see what's there are you talking about you or are you talking about me man uh, I think we're both <laughs> in the same category that yeah. way but that's the great thing about things like twitch where now you can just watch somebody else be in that awful position and then not have to experience it yourself that's a really good observation though because 
when you think about a lot of the games that are popular now, even something like Among Us, right, which visually it's not like a horror game, but the whole factor is one of us is a bad guy. Uh, there's Dead by Daylight, right, which similar premise where you have like the, the main villain and the others are fighting to escape. Where it's you versus I mean, yeah, a killer. You have, you have like a giant ass, like, yeah, exactly, killer and all of that. But what do you, what's your take on that? Because I feel like uh, a, a modern gamer would look at that and be like, that is amazing. But I have seen other people say that maybe that's why we don't have as many traditional horror games as we used to, where I feel like now when companies design games, they have in mind that maybe Keith won't play the game, but Keith will watch a game. And even just thinking about that has to change something mechanically. Is that is that something you, you think about, you care about, or do you think it, it's just a matter of now... They can play a PS1 game live on stream, and I'll just enjoy that regardless of how it was designed. I think if a game is going to succeed, they absolutely have to think about that because we are not the only ones that are too chicken shit to experience some of these games, right? So there's an entire demographic that that might cater to, and it's it's almost like advertising in a way where now people are seeing it. Well, they've seen the spooks, they've seen the fright, so maybe they'll try it out for themselves. And then that's like the experience side of things. And then when you get to the multiplayer side of things, which has really taken off in the last few years with games like Dead by Daylight, I think that is one of the best possible ways for the horror genre to go. And if we're talking about what makes a good horror game in 2020 that's where i lean towards because you get you kind of get the best of both worlds when it comes when you think of a traditional horror movie especially the slasher films because you get to be the helpless teenager or you get to be the killer depending on which you prefer and then it's almost like overcoming an obstacle trying to outsmart the killer or you just get to slash fools while you're doing it and it's turns this frightening thing that might not be for everybody into this much more inviting kind of torturous um the torturous experience and when you say that i actually think this goes even all the way back uh, but before streams i mean you got to talk about something like like him or hate him pewdiepie i think without question influence like gaming now at least when it comes to the horror genre because like think about reaction videos right hell like uh Oh, wow. Horror games like are some of the original yeah, yeah. reaction no, man, videos. Man, even way before PewDiePie, remember um, those videos that we would watch like crappy like uh, HTML or Java videos where it would be like a maze, but just at the end, they would have oh, like the, the Exorcist girl yeah, comes yeah. on. Yeah, straight from E-bombs world. That one is. Right, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I, I think even then, and I mean, man, that was 2004, right? 2005 That was very early internet. Exactly. So... I think there is that obsession of, I, I think before as a kid, it was our reaction playing games, right? If, if it's Juan, then it's Juan figuring out when he's going to yell or not. I think that horror games now definitely do, ha do have a, a social component, which is weird because most horror games, the, the premise is you're the survival, right? the survivor, right? Not all of them, but usually. But now it's become Juan watches Keith play and he wants to see how he experiences it. And and I completely re relate because with the exception of the games that we played for this podcast, I don't really play horror games. However, if the question becomes like, have you checked out uh, a DVD at Dead by Daylight stream? It's like, yeah, I've watched, uh, you know, I didn't get the Resident Evil 3 remake, 
but I've watched people stream it because it's so fascinating to watch somebody experience that because you know there's going to be like a, a physical reaction, whether it's organic or not, that's another story. But if somebody's playing a story game, then you got to sit there and wait and maybe the reaction is not so obvious. But when you talk about a horror game, I think it's going to be like that. Now, the question becomes, having said all of this, would you say uh, that something like Dead by Daylight is like the, the best example of a modern horror game, at least for you? Like, forget about like the mainstream. Like, what would you say that in 2020 is a horror game, whether it be new or old, something that is still worth playing now and gives you a very good representation of what, what something is, is still great for you? I think so as far as a longevity standpoint. I don't think that it's a blanket yes answer for is that what makes a good one? Because if you're talking about longevity and something to continue playing as a horror game, then I think things like Dead by Daylight have a lot more legs to them because everything is so experience-based right now and not like leveling up, but like you're going through this area and then um, seeing what it has to offer to you you because horror games ha kind of have a diminishing return to them where a jump scare is only going to get you once or twice if you're going through like one thing that i really experienced in the old resident evil games when i first played them those damn dogs that always jump through the window yeah. or the liquors and just like that smash scares the crap out of you the second time you go through that hallway on a subsequent playthrough you know that's coming and unless you forget, it's not going to catch you off guard again. So when you're thinking about the um, like the single player horror games, there's something that's great once. And when you when you look at the price point for that, I think that's where those belong. Like I think games like Amnesia and I can't say it, Phasmophobia, Phas Phasmophobia, something like that. Yeah, that one. I think they've done that very the, the one well. That the young kids are playing now. Exactly. That that. Twitch likes yeah. that's that's the good one and they do that really well but at the, at the same time like I don't know if you've checked this game out but another great example to me of a modern a great modern horror game is a game like Until Dawn where it's almost takes the idea of a horror movie and turns it into a choose your own adventure and the way that they get around the whole you're going to um like you're, you've seen it once and then you're never going to play it again. They do it by making it multiple choice and the whole actions have consequence style and then turn that into a horror experience. That's something that's been done a few times, but something that I'd really like to see more of personally. I do think that's maybe where the, the future lays for these games. And I think this has been a problem even since the PS1, because even though you go back to something like Resident Evil 2, I don't think there's any coincidence that they've always had like these alternate scenarios. And it's because they probably knew. It's like, here we have a game that the more you play it, it's going to scare you less. You're going to figure out the puzzles out. And like, mm -hmm. there's a reason that when you look at speedruns for all these games, that's like, is anybody afraid? No, right? It's just like, yeah, you like kind of know what's going to happen. Look at Resident Evil 2, the remake that came out a few years ago. When I first started playing that game and the first time you couple of or the first couple of times you see him, Mr. X is this like daunting tyrant, pun intended, that methodically chases you down, scares the crap out of you and inevitably kills you. By the time I was 
out of the police station, I saw Mr. X as nothing more than a game mechanic, where I had figured out his patterns, I knew how to get past him, and that was kind of it. It became less of the frightening experience and more about how do I play this video game. And that, I think, feeds into your point perfectly, where there is a giant diminishing return with that stuff. I think you brought out something that really helps me think about just what makes a, a great horror game. I think that out of all the video game genres, survival horror is like the most obvious about the, the mechanics because the moment you figure those out, there's like an, uh, you know, we're wrestling fans, right? So even though we know that the finishes are predetermined, the, the goal of a wrestling match is to suspend disbelief. And I think the same uh, premise applies with horror games. But when you figure that out, it's like, Oh, with Mr. X, as long as I keep running, he'll never catch up to me. And then that mm-hmm. kind of like or if ruins he catches you. up, if I move to the left to the a little left bit, a little well, bit. then I can avoid his uh, clothesline. Exactly. And I think a game like Until Dawn really did a, an excellent job of solving that, which is let's give you multiple scenarios. So eventually you're going to figure out every single nook and cranny, but their curiosity is what takes place. Like there's a curiosity of, oh man, what if I do this? Like, what is the, you know, somebody can die, right? In other games, like it's very rare. There are some RPGs, for example, that decisions will make a character die permanently, but you know, within the grand we context. We have an episode about that available in the archive. We do. Yeah. We actually have like a full episode talking about this conversation of uh, decision-making in games and whether that matters or not. But I think in a horror game, it's very different because like with Until Dawn, characters can die or not. And that's not only in, in, in horror games specifically, but the gory nature, right? It's like a much darker tone. I feel like the survival horror genre as a whole can get away with a lot more stuff than others can't. And that's what I like about it. Like, that's why I like the fact that when I when I begin Resident Evil 2, it's like, boom, you know, fire broke out. We got divided. And I love that. With Silent Hill, you go into a world, what's going on? It's like day-night cycle. I love that curiosity of exploring that world. Even though the characters are nice, I think another thing that makes a great horror game for me is the lore. It's the fact that if you don't want to read a damn thing, if you don't want to read any notes, that's fine. But man, that's going to give you a much better clue of why these enemies are, were even designed a certain way. And I love that optional feature that you can go back to the game and break that down. But I think it makes you appreciate the game uh, that much more. What's your take on that? I agree 100%. And there's another aspect to it that we haven't really touched on yet that I'd like to get your take on. We've established that we're both giant chickens when it comes oh, yeah. to playing these games. And, but when and roller you, coaster rides. And roller coaster rides. Yeah. Well, you more than me. Yeah. I rode the Hulk that time when you chickened out. True. But when you actually sit down and play one of these games do you subscribe to the whole notion of like okay you need to put the lights down you need to sit down in like a quiet room turn the speakers up and that's the only way to play one of these games or is that something that not really uh, that doesn't really matter to you because maybe 
I use that as a crutch to help me through these games, but that's not something that's ever really mattered to me. Like if I'm playing RE2 in the middle of the daylight, like I'm not, I don't think that's a lessened experience, but I know people that like, that is the only way to play those games and they will preach that from the top of mountains. See, for me, I don't have a specific answer. I can give you very specific examples. So like Dead Space, for example, the the first one, freaking love that game. We should talk about that one. That's a good game. Yeah, eventually. I played it on 360 and I did a, a dark playthrough where I actually like closed the blinds and, and I fully immersed myself into the story. That was a time before social media was like very evident, right, still. So it was very easy to just like play the game and not have your phone make 20 different sounds. I think that answer to me depends on the gameplay mechanic. Here's like why. Um, Resident Evil 2 Remake, because it's a third person shooter and it's more action oriented, for me, that didn't matter as much. Like I felt like I could play with lights on or off and really didn't matter to me all that much. Now Silent Hill 1, I, I played it offline, like I never streamed it. Like that's the first of these games that we've covered where I didn't stream it. I only recorded my gameplay footage and I tried my best to like self-isolate myself. And what really stuck out to me was the sound because that game is so much about the sound. And I feel like if you have a Twitch stream running, if you have like, if you have like a whole lot of noises and stuff, the game kind of like loses its essence. So I think it depends on these little things that if you're willing, if you don't care about those, I don't think it ruins the game, but I do think that word immersion, which like developers love to say, right? Like it's an immersive experience. That word's been beaten to death. Oh yeah. But I, I think it really <laughs> does apply with, with uh, games like this. Like for example, with, with Silent Hill 1, you know, we just talked about that. Like how did you experience that game? Me, uh, I just, I played it at my desk while I was working and then like there, but that immersion of it, it's an instance where it was so good that even though it wasn't an experience that I like, I purposely tried to get the most out of, it being so good just hooked me in and I was eventually immersed. Like, if the sound design is as good in a game as it was in like the first Silent Hill, then it just grabs your attention and I don't think it needs stuff like that, even though it does enhance it. I, w I will admit that I, if I did play it that way, I think it might have been a better experience, but it's just one of those things that I don't feel is necessary. And I, I also think that out of all the games in this generation, going back to this topic of, I think there's been three phases of horror games, which is like pre-online, uh, which is where we kind of started. And then there was like the the reaction videos uh, uh, era, let's call it. And then mm -hmm. we have the Twitch era. And, you know, you have your games like Outlast. Uh, you know, I have an article here from a GameSpot titled uh, 25, let's see here, uh, the 25 best horror games to play on Halloween 2020. Very, very SEO friendly, right? Very SEO no friendly. And obviously they talk about Phasmophobia. I want to bring up that game up again quickly because I feel like for us to have a healthy conversation about what makes a great horror game for us. And so everybody listening, you know, maybe some of you have checked out older episodes, maybe you've not, but I feel like us superficially, if you will, reacting to some of these games will give you just like a, like a better context overall of like, where are we willing to go with Phasmophobia, at least for me, I checked out a stream two days ago because I'm like, everybody's talking about this damn game. So let me freaking watch it. Even though the gameplay looks fine, 
the game is ugly AF. I mean, it is, yeah, it is ugly to the point that look, I can forgive. Like we just played a freaking PS one game, right? Right. But I think that the design of the game is so crappy visually that I, the, even that whole like Twitch aspect, I just could not tolerate it. No, I'm with you with the phasmophobia stuff. It's a game very much like Among Us now where I enjoy watching it on Twitch, but I don't think I would ever go out of my way to like pick it up or play it. It's one of those things where I enjoy watching people play it more than I think I would enjoy playing it. Yeah, that, that's definitely the same for me. Uh, another game here is uh, Layers of Fear. Even though I've heard about that game a whole lot, I've never played it. I don't know about you. I've never even heard of it. It must be one of those games the kids is playing. <laughs> you know how we sound old? This episode. Like, this yep. is the episode where it's like, damn, guys, it's like, play the current the games, the true, man. The true horror game is age and how it hits us. It is very, very true. Uh, I did play that uh, that uh, Outland game. Wait, is it mm-hmm. Outland or Outlast? Wow. I think it's Outlast. <laughs> I can't Come even on, get the names right now. now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I played that a while. And the problem is, like, I remember when I when I streamed it, a lot of people were telling me, oh, wow, I can't wait to watch, uh, you know, Juan, like, jump scare and all that. And initially, I did a little bit, but I had the Mr. X scenario happen very early on in the game with me where I'm like, oh, this is, okay, this is what the game does. It's like, you know, one, two, and then boom, one, two, and then boom. And it got to the point that I'm like, okay viewers like unless i artificially go like oh my god i'm so scared right now i figured the game out it's no longer scary to me so So at that point do you feel like a need to ham it up in the way that like oh okay you're broadcasting i need to make people and people need to see me scared they need to enjoy it or do you just like stay genuine with that stuff it's things that you obviously think about in my case i i legit change games <laughs> i i have to tell people like, <laughs> and like, that's look. the real answer exactly i'm like look i'm not i'm not thinking about it another game though that does this really well it's a pretty lengthy game i don't know if you've played alien isolation I played a little bit of it. It was free on some platform and I checked it out and uh, played a little bit of it there. Yeah. So I I dropped off of it after a while, but I do have to say it blends a lot of really good things because it's a first person shooter taking a very popular IP and it does a really good job of building anticipation. So initially you, I, I like in every nook and cranny, I'm like, oh, when is it going to do a jump scare? When is it going to do a jump scare? But the fact that you're being chased throughout the game in multiple points, it does have that Resident Evil-esque aspect to it. But mm-hmm. it's a uh, first person, it's in a ship. So, you know, like uh, you, you never know when things are going to happen. And I think that uncertainty is, is something that I really do like about a horror game. Um, now, the, the other question, I, I guess, is going to be like, as... We're not old, but we are older gamers to the point that we'll obviously feel more more comfortable covering more Resident Evil or more Silent Hill than as opposed to saying, hey, let's talk about Condemned uh, Criminal Origins on the yeah, Xbox 360. Let's just never do that for reasons of not covering <laughs> bad games. <laughs> I mean, but, but even then, like... There is this question of like, you know, I've mentioned video game comfort food where sometimes you 
you kind of get more of what you're used to rather than trying out something new. So the question is, how open are you to just like in general sense, as opposed to playing more sequels, trying out new horror games, not necessarily knowing what to expect? I think honestly, it depends with if it's like if it's a well-received game, like it's I don't go out of my way to play bad games just for the sake of playing them. But I do enjoy understanding the why behind video games. Like if there are games that I have never played yet, they're highly revered by uh, peers or someone's whose opinion I respect, then I always like to check out, well, why is that revered? And I think that's where the excitement of trying something new comes along, especially in something like a horror game that is so subjective to the person playing it. You never really know. And there are games that I want to check out, like the Parasite Eves of the world that I've never played and people rave about it. So yes and no, I guess is the answer hmm i i think even you bring it up parasite you brought out something in me that i believe a magical element with horror games that i think that as time goes on it'll be less and less is they made so use of the little that they had right i think when when you go back to like ps1 games you go back to like a lot of games that have pre-rendered backgrounds or the fog in silent hill even though artistically it brought out a, a completely different tone really it was just to like hide the crappy draw distances right mentioned in that episode and i i love that aspect of what are you gonna do to freak me out the fact that i think silent hill one freaked me out a little bit more than silent hill two and uh there's a there's another game like that there's there, there's like a, a side scrolling a 2D game. I think it's called Lone Survivor. If you haven't played it, it's pretty cool. And it's a side-scrolling 2D game. And that game freaked me the hell out. Like, I stopped That's playing it on the Vita. Yeah, and I legitimately bought it as like a, <laughs> what's this crappy game going to do? It's like, it's like, a, it's, like a, well, it's like Mario. Dude, I had to sh shut the game off. So I think <laughs> Did you play it with the lights off? I did, man. And it was on the Vita. Oh, it it's even, your own fault. Yeah, it wasn't even on the big screen, though. So it's like, what's my excuse? But I think that's what I like about these games, which is I'm going to take something that you traditionally would not get scared by, which is crappy, quote unquote, graphics, 2D graphics, as opposed to like a lot of these newer games. You know, even like Phasmophobia, it's not visually pretty to look at, but it aims for like, hey, here's a 3D world. I love really those games. Compare that. Yeah. that compare that idea to like highly regarded slasher films from the 70s and 80s true, true. and i think you can think of the same thing like they did not have all of the practical effects that we have today yet those are some of the most like coveted horror movies of all time right they just were able to do something awesome with what they had and not have to rely on special effects it's the reason why even though i just watched it on like amc there that friday the 13th remake that came out of the couple of years ago just came and went because it was just cool effects compared to having anything like fun or even stupid in it like the old friday the 13th movies so i think you can apply that to some of the horror games from the ps1 era and why at least for our generation our age of gamer kind of revere that more than the modern horror video games of today yeah i think that's the the best way we can uh, put a bow on this episode because there's a legitimately solid comparison between what you just mentioned. It's like, 
it's why I love the original Dawn of the Dead and, and like the Leatherface movies and their Friday the 13th because it, they, they relied on a lot of practical effects. And I think when you turn that into the like the video games, that is where you get your fog. It's like you're hiding the not so great things to highlight the things that are great. So for everybody watching and listening, uh, I, got, I got two questions for you. Number one, what makes a really great horror video game for you? And then number two, which would be the best example uh, about that for you? If you're listening to us on YouTube, please just drop a comment, thumbs up, subscribe there. You can also uh, join us on our Discord over at acasttothepast.com slash Discord. We carry the conversations over there. If you've uh, listened to previous episodes, you know we love to showcase some of them pickups. The GBA Jedi just posted some stuff that he recently picked up. Other people are talking about uh, Sega Saturn games and all of those incredible things. Uh, leave that five-star review on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, all of those sexy apps. And stay tuned because on the next episode, Keith and I, Keith, you and I are not done, buddy, because... No, we got um, one more, baby. We got one more because the PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X is around the corner and the S2 right in the... And the discless FPS 5, that's, that's another story. But we are going to be going back... And uh, reacting, taking a look at the launch lineup for the previous PlayStation consoles and seeing uh, why maybe like Sony just doesn't have the best experience sometimes with launch titles. But hey, we're yeah. going to we're going to leave that marinating. And well, maybe um, maybe you can wait to buy some consoles. Um, exactly. You, day one. you don't need to buy day one. Some I mean, you can play examples. You can play a whole lot of these games right now. Keep yourself busy. But up until next time, we will be back with another exciting episode of a cast. To the... Past? Past. Keith, you don't scare me, though. I should frighten you. <laughs>